An elephant wanders into a village uh, where there are these six blind men. And they, they know that this thing is an elephant, but of course they can't see it. And so the first man reaches out his hand and he touches one of the tusks. And he says, you know, I, I think an elephant must be like a spear. An elephant is like a spear. And, and another man reaches out and he says, no, 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 you're all wrong. I felt an elephant. I can feel him. And he's more like a snake because he's touching the trunk. And then another man reaches out and he's touching the leg and he says, no, you're both wrong. I can feel this elephant and an elephant is like a tree trunk or something. And somebody else reaches up and they feel the elephant's ear and they said, no, 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 all of you are wrong. An elephant is like a huge fan. And then somebody else says, no, 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 you're all wrong. I don't know what y'all are talking about. An elephant is more like a brick wall. It's like a stone wall. And the sixth guy says, you're all wrong. I've, I'm feeling the elephant, and a, an elephant is like a rope that's kind of frayed on the end because he's touching the tail. Now, this story is told over and over again, often to illustrate uh, different points. But the truth is, you can see how they each arrived at their individual conclusions, right? Based on their experiences, based on what they could feel, you can see how they arrived at their conclusions. But the truth is that none of their conclusions reflect reality, right? None of their conclusions reflect reality because all they can feel is what is right in front of them. Now, you might say what they really need is someone to come and to see the whole elephant and describe it to them and tell them what an elephant is really like. And that might help. But what they really need is for someone to open their eyes so they can experience the whole truth for themselves, right? Now, here's the thing, and I think we all know this, that we all know that there are some things that are true, right? There are some things that are real. And then there are other things that are only an illusion, They seem to be true. That's what an illusion is, right? If you watch a magician or something like that, it it seems to be true based on your perspective, right? There are some things that are true, that are real, that reflect reality, and then there are things that only seem to be true based on your perspective, and we would call that an illusion, And so let's kind of think through that for just a second. Let's think through that in Jesus' world and in our world. So in the first century world, Roman power, Roman might, a soldier in the Roman military might think this is real. The strength and the might of the Roman Empire, the strength and the might of our army, this is real and everything else is an illusion. I don't care what it is you think is real and is strong and is mighty and is powerful and is long-lasting, but that's an illusion. What's real is the strength of the Roman military. Whereas a politician in Rome might think a little bit differently, and he might think what's real and what's true is political power. (laughs) The military thinks that they have all the strength, and they think they have all the might, but that's an illusion. What's real is political power, and political power is the truth. It's reality, and everything else is an illusion. A Greek philosopher might disagree with both of them and say what's real is philosophy, 
What's real is what you know. What's real is what you think about. What's real is what's up here between your ears. Everything else is just an illusion. The might and the strength of armies and the power of the politicians, that's all an illusion. What's real is philosophy. The Jewish leaders in Jerusalem might have said, what's what's real are the traditions of our fathers, the traditions that have been handed down to us, the traditions that we keep, the traditions that make us who we are. Everything else is an illusion. This is what's real. This is what's true. Let's think about our culture. What is it that we think is real and is true? For a lot of us, it's experience, right? A lot of us think that what is real and what is true is what we've experienced ourselves, right? We say everything else is an illusion. I believe in what I can see or what I can taste or what I can touch or what I feel inside of me. My desires are real. My passions are real. My loves are real. And so it's interesting that Pilate asks this scoffing question to Jesus. What is truth? What is truth? A Roman soldier might have one idea of what's true, what's real. A Greek philosopher might have an idea about what's true and what's real. A politician might have one idea about what's real and what's true. A Jewish leader might have an idea about what's real or what's true. What is truth? Is truth what you feel? Is truth what you think? Is truth what a politician says? Is truth what a military can do? Is truth what a philosopher says is true? What is truth? And that's the question that the Gospel of John helps us to navigate, doesn't it? What is truth? And what is the answer that John gives us? What is the answer that Jesus gives us that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is full of grace and truth, John 1, 17. He is the truth, John 14 and verse 6. What does that mean? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth about God, right? Jesus is the truth about God. Jesus isn't what you, what you think about God. God. Jesus isn't the God from your perspective. Jesus isn't an illusion about God. Jesus is the reality of God. And, but Jesus is also the truth about humanity. What does it mean to be a human being? What is true of humans? What is true of a man? What should a man be? What does it look like to be truly human? Jesus is the truth about God, but Jesus is also the truth about humanity. Jesus is what true love looks like. He exercises true love. What what is love? If you ask a hundred people, you might get a hundred different answers, but Jesus is the reality of love. Jesus is the reality of God. Jesus is the reality of humanity. Jesus is the reality of love. Jesus is the reality of power. What's what's the right way to exercise power? 
What's a good way to exercise power? What does power really, truly look like? Jesus is the truth of love. Jesus is the truth of power. What does success look like? What does it mean to be truly successful? Jesus is the truth of success. Jesus is reality. Think about that for just a second. Jesus is the reality. And all of the other competing truth claims are an illusion. The military strength of Rome I mean, at the time, if you were living in Jesus' time, you thought this is going to last forever, right? The finality and the longevity and the weight and the glory of Rome's military strength, this is reality. And Jesus says, no, it's an illusion. I mean, Rome was real. The power was real. But the weight and the significance and the longevity and the finality of it was an illusion. This just seems like it's going to last forever. This just seems concrete. This just seems final. This just seems powerful. This just seems weighty. This just seems glorious. But all of that is an illusion. The the political power of Rome, the power that Caesar had, I mean, Caesar would call himself the son of God. He is God in the flesh. He is deity. And Jesus' truth claims would say that is an illusion. Caesar was real, but the power and the finality and the longevity and the weight and the glory of Rome was an illusion. Because now, looking back, we can see that it was an illusion, can't we? It's gone. Like a vapor, it's gone. And the Greek philosophers, their philosophy, as sound as it may have seemed, it was an an illusion. But what about us? What about the things that we think are so final, so weighty, so important? Things like death. Whatever circumstance you're in right now, it feels like it will last forever, doesn't it? Whatever you're experiencing right now, it seems like this will last forever. Maybe it's disease. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's, maybe it's something good like love or beauty or wealth, or riches, and stuff, and it feels like this is reality. This is the truth. But Jesus says, no. No, all of those things, they're uncertain. They're passing away. Even death itself, nothing seems as final as death. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection I am the life, I am the bread, I am the water, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the reality. Jesus is where the true weight and glory and significance and longevity and finality truly exist. All of those other things are passing away. They are but a vapor. 
they are not the reality. Your beauty, your wealth, your sickness, your health, our country, your home, your family, whatever it is, all of these things, because they are our present circumstance, they feel like this is reality. And Jesus says, I am reality. I am the truth. Not only the future reality, but the present reality. So, why is Jesus called, or why does Jesus call rather the Spirit of God the Spirit of truth? Let's think about that for a few minutes. John 14 and verse 15. We looked at this passage last week, but I want to revisit it. Jesus says in John 14 and verse 15, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Remember last week we talked about an emissary, a heavenly emissary to come and be with us to testify of the things of heaven, to be with you forever. Even, listen, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, if we've read this far in the Gospel of John, then we know why the world can't receive the spirit of truth, the spirit of reality. Why? Because the world doesn't see. The world doesn't No, the world has been blinded by their choice to believe a lie, to believe the illusion over the reality. And think back to some of the conversations that Jesus has had with different people. Think back to his conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot, remember, See the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again by the water and the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The people in the world who refuse to believe the reality, the truth, who is Jesus, those who refuse to put their faith in the truth, in the reality, that all of these things are an illusion and that Jesus is the reality and those that would rather believe the illusion rather than the reality cannot see the kingdom of God, much less enter into it. And Jesus says if you're going to see the kingdom and enter into the kingdom and be a part of what God is doing in the world, then you have to be born again by the water and the spirit. And then think about what he says in John chapter 9. After he heals the man who is born blind, remember? And he uses that to help the Pharisees realize and those that are around to realize that there are some people who are blind. And Jesus says, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. There are those who think they can see, And Jesus would say, if you say you can see, if you say you're a teacher and you see clearly, then you're even more accountable because you do not see the truth, the reality that is Jesus, that this 
that Jesus is the truth of God, that Jesus is the truth of how to be human, that Jesus is the truth of power, that Jesus is the truth of the present, that Jesus is the truth of the past, that Jesus is the truth of the future, that this is what God is doing, that he's bringing his kingdom through Jesus of Nazareth. But so many people would rather believe the illusion Because the illusion is what's right in front of us, isn't it? Your health, your wealth, your beauty, your sickness, your grief, all of those things are real. They're real and you can see them. But the weight we attach to those things, the permanence that we attach to those things, and to say it's always going to be this way, And those that attach that significance and that weight to Rome's power, to the military's power, to philosophy, to tradition, to whatever it may be, those who chose to believe the illusion rather than the reality could not see what God was doing. And there's so many of us. We cannot see what God is doing. We cannot see that Jesus is the past, the present, and the future, that God is bringing his kingdom through the cross, through faithfulness and self-giving love, through turning the other cheek and going the extra mile and loving our enemies and doing good to those who hate us. We look at that and we say, that that doesn't work. That's not real. That's not true. And Jesus says, this is the truth. I am the truth. Death is temporary. I'm forever because I am the resurrection and the life. Beauty is temporary, but I'm forever because I am life. Wealth is temporary, but Jesus is forever. All of these things that we attach such weight and significance and finality and permanence to, these are illusions. And Jesus is the truth. But some people can't see the truth of Jesus because they have believed the illusion. Now look at the next chapter, John 15, all part of the same discourse before the crucifixion. And Jesus says this, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about what? Me, right? He will bear witness about Jesus. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So why is it, and this verse tells us, this passage tells us all we need to know about this question, why is it that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth? What is truth? The Spirit is the Spirit of truth because he testifies about the truth. And what is the truth? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth because he testifies about the truth. And the truth is Jesus. And anytime we also testify about Jesus and we say he is the truth. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the king of kings. He is reality. His kingdom is real. His kingdom 
is forever. His wealth, his riches, his life, his resurrection, this is reality, and these other things are an illusion. When we testify to the truth of Jesus, we can only do so because of the spirit of truth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth because his one mission is to testify to reality. His one mission is to testify to truth. And it's not complicated. What is truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus will say in his prayer to the Father in John chapter 17, thy word is truth, right? And what does John tell us in the beginning of the gospel of John? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among. Who is the word of God? Jesus. Who is the truth of God? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He is the reality to whom the Spirit points. This is the job of the Spirit, to magnify Jesus and to say Jesus is the truth. Jesus is reality. The future that Jesus is bringing to the present, this is reality. In spite of the way things look, and isn't it hard sometimes? Because we drive past graveyards every day. And too many times we go to graveyards. And someday we know we will be in a graveyard. And so it feels like this is final. This is real. This is truth. But the permanence of death is an illusion. The finality of death is an illusion because Jesus is the truth and the way and the life and the resurrection. He is reality. And when we're working so hard to fill our bank account, or we're working so hard to pay our bills, or when everybody else seems to be doing better than us and we're trying to play catch-up, we feel like this is reality. And Jesus says, no, I am the truth. And the job of the Spirit is to make known the fact that Jesus is the truth, that his kingdom and his way and his words And his commandments are the truth. Look at the next chapter, John chapter 16 and verse 12. Jesus says to his apostles, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me For he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Again, Jesus says that the Spirit will guide the apostles into all the truth. Or another way to put that might be to the complete truth, to the whole truth. The truth about what? The truth about Jesus, because Jesus is the truth. The truth about his kingdom. The truth about the future that's coming true in the present. The truth that Jesus' way, the truth at the cross, 
The truth that discipleship is the way to God. The truth that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That Jesus is the reality of God and Jesus is the reality of humanity and Jesus is the reality of the present and Jesus is the reality of the future. And the Spirit is still making that known, isn't he? He's making it known through the scriptures every time the gospel is preached. Every time that we confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the truth. Every time we sing these songs of praise, every time we break the cup or break the bread and drink the cup, we testify to the truth that is Jesus and the Spirit is working and is testifying in all of these things to bring people to the realization, to open their eyes that they can see the truth If, to go back to our original metaphor about the elephant and the blind man, if Jesus is the full reality to which we need our eyes opened, the Spirit is the one who opens our eyes to see that Jesus is the truth. So there's our our moment of truth, moment of truth question. Has the Spirit of truth Open your eyes to the fact that Jesus is the truth. Listen, sometimes I don't want to be negative in the way I talk about the Holy Spirit because I want us to focus on what the Holy Spirit does and who the Holy Spirit is. But so many times I hear the way people talk about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing. Those things are so disconnected from the testimony and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus, that that doesn't sound very much to me like what Jesus is saying the Spirit does. The Spirit is singularly focused on showing us Jesus. The Spirit is singularly focused on helping us to see beyond the illusions to the truth, the reality of Jesus, and the future that Jesus is making real in the present. Let me say that again. The Spirit of God is singularly focused on helping you and I to see beyond the illusions to the reality, to the truth that is Jesus and the future that he's making real in the present. Because sometimes it's hard to see beyond the illusion, isn't it? We can be just as guilty on attaching weight and permanence and significance and glory to things like political power or military might. We can be just as guilty of attaching weight and glory and significance and permanence and finality to wealth and beauty and health. We can be just as guilty of thinking of death as a finality, believing the illusion rather than accepting and embracing the reality and the truth that is Jesus and that he is making the future a reality in the present. And, that, and that's who we are. We are a group of people who, by the Spirit, our eyes have been opened and we're living in the present like Jesus really is the truth. Not just the truth about the future, but the truth about the present That his way of loving God and loving others 
is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. And that journey of seeing things clearly, seeing things more and more clearly as we go along, that journey begins at baptism, doesn't it? When we're born again by the water and the spirit so that we can see and enter into what God is doing in the world, so that we can see the reality that is Jesus, so that by the power of the Spirit, we can look beyond the illusions and see the reality. It begins at baptism. But then we carry on throughout our life, praying as Paul did, Ephesians. He prayed for the church in Ephesus that they might be strengthened in their inner being by the power of the Spirit that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. The Spirit is singularly focused on helping you and I see beyond the illusions to the reality that is Jesus. But how often, church, do we pray that? How often in your nightly prayers or in your prayers around the dinner table or your prayers when you get up, do you pray that the Spirit of God will strengthen you in your inner being so that Christ, the reality, the truth, may dwell in your heart through faith? I don't know about you, but I need strength from the Spirit to see beyond the illusions and to keep my eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And maybe somebody here this morning, you're ready to begin your journey with Jesus and with the Spirit, helping you to see Jesus as the reality. Or maybe your eyes have grown dim over the years and you need to come back and be restored and have your eyes opened again and have the church church pray for you and pray with you. Or maybe some of the burdens that are so big and so heavy and you know that they're permanence and they're weight and you know that the things that feel like they're crushing you, you know in your head that it's an illusion, but in your heart it's hard to realize that this too shall pass. And you just need your church family to pray with you and pray for you. That's what we're here for. Our shepherds would love to pray with you in a minute after service in the prayer room or right now you can come forward. As together we stand and sing.